I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Boy Breakdown podcast. And we start off uh, the podcast tonight with not really breaking news, but Nigerian international John Obi Mikel um, is set to sign for Middlesbrough on a short-term contract. Um, to the end of the season. Um, Elliot, I'm going to start off with you. Um, John Mikel, a lot of appearances for Nigeria. He's been playing in Chinese, won it all with Chelsea. Um, what's your thoughts on the signing? Yeah, uh, I think he'll be a, a good signing overall. Um, the experience um, will be vital. Um, I think he'll have genuine quality on the ball, um, a better upgrade on probably most of our centre midfielders. Um, we are obviously well stocked in that area as everyone knows so I'd assume with that signing that um, I'm, I'd guess probably two are leaving because um, I mean Ledbetter wasn't you know one of the starters anyway so I'd assume that probably Ledbetter um, would be on his way out and that it's got to be the end for another one because you, I don't know you can fit them all in um, my first thoughts would probably be someone who wasn't uh, a Tony Pulis signing, so obviously I don't think it'd be Bessich or Savile, so I think it might be Clates or Housen, and out of them two, I, I just feel it'd be Clates more, because I think Mikel would probably take his position um, in the team, so we could we could see the end of Ledbetter and Clayton, but we'll have to just you know keep keep tabs on that, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with, with some points, but I mean, I'm going to be the one that puts a bit of a negative spin on it. I just... I don't really get what what Rubo are going down. It seems like they're in a a bit of a, an infinite loop. I mean, John Orby Mikel hasn't played since the World Cup, I don't believe. And, you know, he's not match fit by any stretch of the imagination, and it's just another aging player that we're going to bring in that is probably going to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. That will, you know, the Gazette will ask Tony Pulis about his lack of involvement, and it'll be the same answer as Van La Parra that he's not match fit. Yeah. And with that in mind, I, I don't really get it because it's, you know, it's a likely short-term deal. We'll, you know, we'll spend the majority of it on the bench, so he lacks match fitness. And then if he plays, he's miles off the pace. If he doesn't, then you know, what's the point? I suppose we'll have to see if it is actually a short-term deal because that could actually, you know, completely change my opinion. But for now, in the short term, 
I just don't think that he's going to be somebody that is immediately put into the starting eleven. I feel like he will be one of those players that is constantly being told that he needs to get up up to to match fitness. Yeah. Um, okay, in my opinion, from from what I know, it's a short term and then potentially a one year extension. Um, make of that if, if you will. Um, obviously, that will probably depend on what we do in in the summer. It might just be. Uh, right, okay, thanks for that, and you can now move on to a bigger and better things, or we'll we'll keep you for another year. Um, but in terms of Jonathan Mikhail myself, I think he's I think he's like more of like a Rolls Royce type of footballer. He's he just when, when I used to watch him at Chelsea, I thought he was a really intelligent footballer. He's he's, he's obviously won it all. He's a lot better than what we have already. Hmm. So I'm kind of like welcoming that type of signing. Yeah, and I agree with you all that like we've probably got too many midfielders now, unless we're playing like keeper and then ten in midfield and it's a Tony Pulis world and no one can stop him now because he that's probably what he probably wants. Um I don't know there's all there's, there's all the power in the midfield and then there's taking the piss and I think that's what we're kind of doing at the moment. But let bitters linked away Clayton his comments at the weekend didn't really seem too happy. Um he might be on his way too. Um, we'll probably, they'll be suitors for the pair of them very much so and I think we'll get some good money for them they're both probably on Premier League money still um, I very highly doubt they'll be causing their contract to say okay if we get relegated again you'll have to go back down to this this wage I highly doubt that they'll both be on Premier League wages um, but with well you know, look, we haven't really thought about Bezic could potentially leave as well He's we're probably paying the majority of his wages too um, we could shorten that deal as well um, but with Mikel um, coming in is that potentially the end for Ledbetter and Clayton would you probably agree with that I think Ledbetter is inevitable I think you said it on the podcast you kind of went a little bit ITK and said that um, you know Sunderland were, were back in for him um, I feel like it's kind of I'm surprised it didn't happen in the summer I think <laughs> it was you know it appeared obvious that it was going to happen then it didn't and I feel like you know, with the news that I think the Northern Echo said this morning that you know the back in for him, they want a deal to be done for him. I think it's almost inevitable that Ledbetter will go back to Sunderland. Yeah, um, and with obviously John and Mikel as well, um, we got a question from Dave McNally. He asks potentially um, with John and Mikel coming in, will we potentially change shape? You know, of course, he plays number ten for Nigeria. Um, make of that if you will, but the, the creativity and the luxuries there. Do you think we'll change shape, or do you think we'll still play with the six in midfield? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think we'll change at all. I think um, maybe he's going to play anyway. He'll play Clayton's um, holding role. Um, yeah, uh, I mean we'll get more on the shape later when we you know talk about uh, the last game. Um, but yeah, especially if we're starting uh, five centre mids again, we didn't really start with a centre attack midfielder. It was more just like a, a flat. Um, of between the whole sentiment, they, they were just flat. <laughs> that was it, really. Can't feel this tactical genius. Um, but with Clayton, though, I will come, we're going to come on to him probably later on in the podcast when we talk about Millwall. But would you let Adam Clayton go? Um, see, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm just clinging on to kind of um, you know loyalties from the past. But um, I think at, at the season he, he started really well and he was one of our better performers. And I think that was. I think that came in kind of the games where we were under the cosh a bit more. I know we have been yep. in quite a few games, but like you know, the one that springs to mind most was Leeds away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think in games where, especially at home, where we're expected to be in the front foot, he's not really offering you anything. And I say this about um, Kante before he obviously changed position this uh, this season. Like 
Kante was the same. Like Kante is not doing much in a Chelsea side when they're playing Cardiff at home when he was playing his holding position because Cardiff aren't in and around those areas anyway. When he's playing against Man City, it makes a big difference, and that's what Clayton's offering when you're playing against teams where everyone expected to beat them. He's not really offering much. Um, I don't think his eye for a pass is particularly very good, and certainly not better than Jordan Mikel's will be in that position. So. Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind if he if he moved on. Really, um, if if Super came in. Yeah, I think yeah. you know that's a good point. I was thinking after the Millwall game, I'm a massive fan of, of Adam Clayton, and I have been for you know a few years. But I don't feel like he's always necessary in the side. And like like Elliot said, against like teams like Millwall, that he kind of I don't know maybe expected to be attacked less than a derby mm-hmm. or a Norwich Leeds, whatever. I don't think he's always necessary, which is probably why he was taken off at half time because there was just no need for him really. It was more we needed to be on the front foot, which we weren't in, you know, against Millwall at all at any point. Um, but I don't think we'll sell him because then, you know, if we get rid of Ledbetter and Clayton, we'll only have John Obi McKell in that holding position. Yeah. I know Bessic could probably play there, but it's kind of leaving us a little bit short in terms of that type of midfielder yeah. when they're needed. Um, they both kind of hit the points I was probably want to make, but there's obviously I've got one thing as well. But um, with with Ledbetter and you've got Clayton there, and you've still got George Friend there, you've got Ayala there, um, Demi is still there, of course. But like the team at the moment is still got that similar spine from the obviously uh, Crank have brought in Clayton, but that spine's still there from Tony Mowbray era that's crazy it, it just it? needs like refreshing or resetting or something like that I just think we've had this same team same format for so long I think we do need to change and now create that identity that we're what we're all about or that future identity what Mills Football Club should be about um, but obviously with Clayton that's that's just a rumour it hasn't nothing's really yeah, materialised yeah. yet probably a favourite if he was ever to go I think he probably would go actually Premier League or a lower Premier League team call yeah, me I crazy I think he would mm. um, I can't see him also selling to another championship team um, and you could probably see him go and potentially go back to Huddersfield or even um, maybe a, a Cardiff or somewhere like that um, but Els I know you've been researching your transfers um, what's what's the news um, yeah so kind of players um, linked um uh, into Borough and stuff and, and people have been going on so the latest news is um, Josh Meyer um, you know you continue to be linked with those um, lots of them fans on Twitter saying don't go to Borough they'll ruin your career ruin every <laughs> ruin every striker's career um, but yeah he looks like he's uh, going to Bordeaux um, for three and a half million um, there's just personal terms yet to be um, agreed um, so he's following the route of kind of a lot of um, players going o- abroad, mm-hmm. um, like Sancho, etc. Um, Riedewald, um at Palace, he's linked again. Um, I think Vigo were in for him, but they they, they signed Wesley Hoot in the end from, yeah. from Southampton because um, they were looking for a centre-back. And now, obviously, I thought um, he was a left-back who can play centre-back, but it turns out he's it's kind of the other way around. Um, he's only played left-back four times in the past two and a half seasons. Um, so he's predominantly a centre back. So I don't know why. He's actually a midfielder when his form covers to as well. In Ajax, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I mean Tony Pulis likes versatile players, and he and he likes playing players out of position. So I think if we were to sign a left back who's played uh, a centre back who's played left back four times, it wouldn't be much of an issue anyway. Because Fry had never played there, McNair had never played there. <laughs> so 
Yeah, um, yeah. So we're linked with him again. There's no, you know, nothing concrete there. Um, Britt, um, who's been linked with Stoke, surprisingly. Um, I thought with any manager coming in, they wouldn't really be wanting to blow a lot of cash. Um, but he's linked with them. Whether that's, you know, the look to a loan move or something, I don't know. But um, Knudsen, West Brom, and Stoke both uh, joined that as well um, with us. So a lot of competition for him. He's they signed a replacement at left back, Callum Callum Midair, I think his name was. Um, so they're definitely trying to you know force him out. Um, whether he comes for I don't know. And then the latest link um, is Balassi again. Now that he's went back to Everton, but yeah, there wasn't raving reviews from uh, Villa fans. <laughs> um, there was tweets saying that he, he couldn't cross the ball. So. Yeah, I don't know if we'd be going back in for that one. Would fit right in here then, wouldn't he? Yeah. He absolutely torn us apart in the, when we played against Villa earlier on in the season. He just he gave Dale Fry a, a very, very tough afternoon um, and, and when the absolute monstrosity of performance from us anyway. But there's obviously one more. Actually. There's one more um, transfer as well that's just been announced like about four, three, about four hours ago. Um, it's Carl and Grant from, from Charlton. Just scored a few goals this season few teams interested in him likely probably won't happen can't see it happening and um, we'll move on from there but one one bit of transfer business Stuart Downing of course uh, earlier this week it came out that if he starts one more game he gets a new bumper contract um, whether it's more money or just another extension is yet to be seen but quite a bizarre thing isn't it Dana really yeah that's what I, I wrote down about it it's just bizarre um it's quite worrying as well because you know it isn't the only questionable decision that Borough have made in recent years um, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean to me it appears like the club assumed Downing wouldn't be a starter and therefore wouldn't trigger that clause in the contract yeah. and I mean if that's the case then it's not only incredibly naive and a little bit disrespectful to Downing but it's also it highlights the failures of the transfer recruitment team because if they assumed that they also must have assumed that they would have, you know, wide reinforcements mm. in, which they haven't. You know, they <laughs> if they'd have done their job, recruited wingers that we needed. I know we've had some in the past, like Jack Harrison. I've mentioned him on the podcast before. Came in, I think he had one, he had one major impact against Ipswich, and then God knows what happened after that, um, and before that. But you know, if we brought in the players that we should have done out wide then I don't even think this should be a problem so it highlights the you know the issues of the recruitment team else mm. uh, yeah it's a very strange situation um, and you know although I do you know feel that the the club um, are in the wrong um, and I know obviously I, you know we keep banging on about uh, the issues out wide and and I feel like what I'm about to say is kind of like a, a my mind situation. Um, it's either you know you love him or you hate him. There's the people that you know look past anything that goes on, uh, you know that happens off the field, and sees down in as some kind of you know cult hero. And there's no doubt that him and and Woodgate too. You know they've they've been you know good servants to the club. Um, they're probably two of our most successful um, academy graduates. Um, but you know just off the field. There's, I've heard so many you know, bad things about them over the years, and I, I wouldn't mind if um, Downing was to leave because of this contract situation. Um, they've produced toxic behaviour at the club over the years, him and Woodgate. 
So, yeah, for me, it'd be you know a shame to obviously lose another position because then we're going to have to you know recruit again there, and it's you know incredibly stupid of the club to insert the contract. But in terms of like you know my feelings towards Downing himself, it, yeah, he can move on for me. Just, just, <laughs> just going back on to the point of, of it being worrying I think what also worries me is that I think as soon as Tony Pulis came at, to the club I think he mentioned in that like, it might have been his first press conference that he would you know he wants a team of Stuart Downings so that indicates that he's a fan of Downing um, Downing wants to stay the club don't want him and in the past few games he's been on the bench mm-hmm. so does that mean that the club have kind of forced Tony Pulis not to play him well, yeah, that, that, that in itself is quite worrying, I think. Well, that's exactly it, really. He was he was told um, prior to the game that he, he can't start because he triggers a certain clause in his contract. Um, in terms of what Downing will get do outside of like the football club, is kind of like irrelevant, really. And if he's, as long as he's pointing on the training ground and he's doing it in the games, then it's it's kind of like, oh well, yeah, fair enough. Get cocked up if you want to get cocked up. Doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spits a drink out everywhere. <laughs> Um, but in terms of like the downing scenario, it's just kind of, it's like a clear example of like what the club's like at the moment, in my opinion. Mm. Um, everything at the club for me it just seems inflated. Um, that comes from prices, Premier League wages, transfer fees, and they all have like a domino effect on each other. Really, if well if well wages really high. How am I going to get the income? Oh, probably through ticket sales and merchandise. That's what I'm going to have to try. Or oh, advertising. That's how I'm going to have to try and pay the bills. And it's just, it's so frustrating just to see it. I think it would only happen in us football club at the moment. I think everything is just going wrong. Um, even though we're in a, a really good position in the league. Yeah, that's still, the only thing that's not fit. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't been at the playoffs pretty much all season. We're doing really, I think, yes, the performances have been absolutely horrendous, but at times and but we're still there and we're still fighting for that position and we're only a couple of players away from really having a, a really solid team but in the background it's kind of just papering over the cracks a little bit because there's just so much which is actually wrong um, at the moment but I think if Downing was to renegotiate a contract so he's, well he's often in, he's often in summer anyway so um, it's more or less like well give him a new contract and then potentially maybe like a, a dimmy role where it's like he's in the changing room. He helps a young player come through, um, or he's just giving advice to other players, or potentially like coaching or something like that with like the younger kids, like under 18s or something like that. That's probably the only way I would do it. Really, I don't think he's not the future of most football club. He's 34, 35 years of age, um, and if I'm kind of with you a little bit, Elliot, maybe move on if we can get like a decent replacement in. Um, but moving on, um, something I spoke about, and this might help with the conversation we just had um, I put on Twitter earlier in the week and it was more about director of football um, we see it a lot now we see it with a lot of European clubs the English teams are starting to adopt it now um, Dana would you be a fan of Millsborough implementing a director of football yeah I'd welcome it because from the outside looking in I think it appears that Steve Gibson needs a little bit of help mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I don't think there's anything wrong with, with accepting that I mean f- football's moving so far forward now that I think Bora need to look to implement that kind of system in and <clears throat> I think there needs to be patience with it because it, I don't think it, it well it's unlikely to herald immediate success but for the long term like you know for Middlesbrough long term I think it, it would be a, a good decision because there's something like you said there's something quite wrong at the football club at the moment yeah no I'd uh 
yeah, I'd love it if we if we got a director for balling. Um, you know, the the idea of it is is to kind of make sure you have, you know, good footballing people um, around the commercial people, um, yeah. kind of developing the identity and the philosophy, the style, the culture of the club, um, and, and you know, do, not doing it in a, in a business like, you know, obviously keeping within regulations, but not doing it in a business like fashion like. Gibson and Bowser and, and Gill are doing it at the moment because I don't obviously isn't working at the moment. Um, and I just think, yeah, we have fell behind, <coughs> fell behind a bit. Um, you know, if you're giving the manager the right to do kind of everything, it's taking the focus away from one little thing. It's like give someone the role who can do it, and then they can be an expert at that. Let Tony just coach the players. You know what I mean? Mm. And build uh, a bond with the players. Um, obviously, I don't know any names off the top of my head who can. And possibly do jobs, but um, you know, the good place to kind of look is obviously um, I was looking into it from some of the top Premier League clubs because it's most you know written about with them. Um, but opposition analysts, performance analysts, ex players uh, who are normally quite intelligent players who've read the game well over the years, you know, like John Over Mikel, like you said earlier. Um, I looked into kind of some of the uh, the top six in the Prem and whether they you know whether they use this system. Um, and they all tended to accept United, um, yeah. but they're, as they're currently looking to do it because um, of the, the troubles they've had, obviously, with um, the managers since Alex Ferguson left. Um, so, and usually when they do it, um, they kind of have that one person and they kind of form like a little committee between themselves, the manager, um, the owner, and, and maybe somebody else who's involved, and they kind of have regular meetings about it. Um, so that everyone's you know fully up to speed in it, but ultimately they're left to kind of you know identify targets, um, and then the, the manager. You, you see it obviously, it was well documented on uh, all and off in Manchester City, um, and even when Chelsea signed Pulisic, they asked Sari about it, and yeah. Sari said, um, "Oh yeah, the club came to me about a month ago and asked me um, about the player, and then that was it. <laughs> it was just left." To the, the club to, yeah, to he, he didn't do anything about it after that um, yeah so it, do, it, it can work yeah director football is obviously the, the man in the middle between Bond uh, the management team um, a lot of people say that Victor Otto was Middlesbrough's director of football when he spent his time at the club and I think that's probably wrong mm. um, he was more of like a, he- a core head of recruitment with Gary Gill and um, didn't really work out too much because the board heads quite a lot um, but yeah. with that kind of agree with you as it allows Tony Pulis to, to manage the football inside things but I can, what I can see if we were to implement a director of football is probably let Pulis go to the director of football and then bring in a young manager from there that would make more more sense now um, because Pulis has been in the club for like the, what, the last year and a bit now he, has no, he knows the ins and outs he knows what needs to change um, and with him they can kind of mentor a little bit of a, a young manager of course he's not going that young man that young manager is probably going to play six midfield like Pulis does but having someone with experience there will actually probably help him out and actually get get things done because when I feel like we're Pulis now I feel like we're purposely not spending money because we know fine well he's not staying at the end of the season that just makes that just makes sense for me I think there's no point giving someone a five five six year contract now if your manager's not going to be there in the summer so it looks to me that might potentially move up um, and we'll probably get someone in from there um, but let's move on let's chat about Millwaller um, a very very poor display by all accounts very flat lacklustre poor 
Um, very, very fortunate to get a penalty in the last minute. Well, it was a penalty, but we were very fortunate to, to get a lifeline and equalise. I don't know who... Well, I should go through because you both look very angry. Um, <laughs> Els, go on then. We'll start off with you and we'll start off with your rent, and I'm sure uh, Dana has one as well. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I know we talked about it, you know, off pod and that as well. But it was, you know, it was. I think it was just awful from from start to finish. To be brutally honest, um, the quality of it, the quality of the championship at times is just it's just so bad to watch. <laughs> um, I mean, I kind of the the, the point that I'm about to make here is kind of um, might make sense now. Uh, obviously, when we talked about down the situation and being told perhaps not to play him, and that's why we might have lined up the way we did. Um, but lining up at home in a four-five-one with five centre mids at home, with, you know, to Millwall, they were twentieth in the league. They haven't they've only won once away all season. The you know they've conceded the joint third most in the league. You know, it's it's criminal <laughs> to be lining up like that. But obviously, it might have been just because of you know the, you couldn't really start downing. But and Vallabara might not have been fit. Um, strange that Tav wasn't even in the squad. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what was happening with all of that, but it was still a very strange lineup because um, we were saying last week that we can understand when it happens away from home, but you know at home, um, we all predicted like a four-three-three lineup or something similar, didn't we? So um, when watching it, when I was saying obviously it was quite flat, Housen went right of that and Savile went left um, when Millwall shifted the ball out wide, and it was just they just looked so out of place. Yeah. Savile got won the ball back or friend won the ball back and passed it to him and he just, just didn't know what to do because he's never usually stood there so he like he didn't know whether to take someone on or pass it in he, he just looked so confused and that's uh, why I just I just don't get um, the formation I don't really get like why why we you know aren't even trying to play anyone out wide um, yeah it was just I seen people leaving at half time when I was down at the concourse people were just walking out slamming the doors and punching walls and just it was just, it was just <laughs> terrible it was like I must have seen about a good 50 people leave while I was down at half time people just had enough it was just quality football was just shocking so yeah that, 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 that's all you can really say in it really because I think even from getting the penalty and you know grasping a point which is good it's it's not good enough at home middle wall um, and when we scored I mean there was people around me who were, you know, shouting to the Millwall fans, "Oh, you shit, you shit!" And I'm thinking, <laughs> "No, they deserve to win that game. We, we are shit." <laughs> I don't know what what was even going on. It was just like, yeah, it was uh, a real bad game. Yeah, I mean, I've praised Tony Pierce the past few podcasts for his, you know, the way that he set up the games away from home. But I completely agree. We all said it, like you said on the podcast uh, last week, that I don't think it's necessary to have so many to be so defensive at home mm-hmm. and I tell you what I've never watched a football match where the substitutes have had just no impact like all of them came on and they were right to come on but they did nothing yeah. because Borough was so flat they just were very again predictable it's the same thing over and over again at home it's it's one note it's boring it's predictable it's really painful to watch and that Hugo goal was was a massive get out of jail card because, yeah. you know, it, it just we didn't we didn't really do anything. It, it was you know the first half was, I felt like we were nervous. There was a lot of mistakes in it. Dale Fry didn't have a great 
first half, Clayton, I think it yeah, was epitomised. Yeah, he gave it away for the goal, didn't he? Pretty yeah, much, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, Clayton got that mistake, mm. you know, pretty much epitomised it. And um, the second half was, was pretty much the same. I think we tried maybe for you know 10 minutes to kind of get on the front foot. But then I felt like the substitutes kind of took the sting out of the game a little bit. It had the opposite effect to what it should have. Mm. And it, you know they made no impact. They made no difference to the game. It was just it was just really painful to watch. I know. Well, lucky I missed that game on it. So I was, I was lucky <laughs> for that. Um, but when I've actually surprisingly watched the I watched the first first twenty five minutes back, and at the ten off, it was just like just like I've seen pain drying more fun. That was what the person in front of, behind me was saying because he said. I stopped my decorating for this. <laughs> I would have preferred to go and paint walls and watch this. Oh yeah, go sit home and watch Jeff Stone or something like that. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. something like, um, okay, it was just freezing as well and just like having to endure that. It was just, yeah. Oh. I, I used to give, you know, Tony Pulis the benefit of the doubt um, because of, you know, certain situations that he didn't have the players. And I know we've only signed, you know, one, potentially two players, so it shouldn't really change um, his lineup in a sense. But it's just... It's just the, the the way we, not even the way we set up, because obviously he's limited to that in the sense that we don't have wide players, but just the way we go about the game, it's just, we have five centre midfielders on, and then no one was even central anyway. Like when we were looking to get the ball <laughs> central, it just like, it was all disappeared. Like there was there was people behind me just saying, where are all the centre midfielders? One went wide, one went left. Clayton was playing centre back, and... I don't know where everyone was going and when they were trying to make the runs it happened again where Houghton was making a run and he didn't get the ball played through so he was you know his head had dropped and he didn't want to look for it again so yeah I've noticed Houghton's the only one that does that really yeah. the only one that makes runs and nobody picks it up Yeah. so there's no point is there yeah. there's like he's trying but they're not on the same wavelength and I've mentioned it before like I don't feel like the players are, are mentally quick enough yep. and physically quick enough <laughs> all very valid points I'd probably agree with the Perrys to be honest but there's obviously one comment that got brought out and a few people have asked this like similar question Adam Clayton obviously after the game where he said that it doesn't really help that fans are booing after 25 minutes can understand why um, I'll probably come up with my point in a second but who wants to go first uh, do you think Clayton was right to say um, fans shouldn't boo after 25 minutes no, I thought it was I thought it was spot on for saying it. I know we've just I've just sat here and slagged that entire performance off, but um, you know, this is kind of indirectly. I wouldn't imagine any players would be listening into the, the podcast and, and if you are high, I apologise. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I don't know to boo twenty five minutes into the game, as bad as it was, I don't agree with. I feel like I can understand it if it's like after the game, um, at the full time whistle. <laughs> But to get on the players' backs and you know that early on, and I mentioned that they look nervous, and I'm not surprised because it's not the first time that they've been booed. You know, there's been booing during the game, a half time after the game, probably shitting themselves when they go to the riverside because they know that if they pass it, <laughs> if they pass it like sideways once, you're gonna have one guy in the east stand probably behind me saying that Clayton's shite. Why do people have Clayton on the back of their shirts? That's what he was saying all game. How dare they pass to another player <laughs> in our team? Um, but that's like, oh, that's probably spark something to me. Like, spark your rage. But I say this to Elliot every week um, when we sit together. It's just, I get so frustrated when I see fans boo about Borough keeping the ball. 
and passing and moving. Like the opposition aren't going to score when you put the ball. Like mm. don't get me wrong, like possessions on everything in football. Celtic beat Barcelona a few years back with nineteen percent possession, the one two one. Um like but when we have the ball, relax, like we we've got it, we we're in charge of the play now. Um yes, the two was here and we drop back, but if we keep the ball for forty five minutes, chances are we're probably going to score in that 45 minutes. Um, but obviously it's very it's impossible that we're going to keep the ball for 45 minutes. But if we have more possession of the ball, please, there's a good chance that we're going to be in charge of the game, be on the front foot. We did, we were, we'd have more possession against Millwall. We had a lot more chances as well. But, you know, the performance is very poor. But go on, else I know you, you're dying to, to say something about the booing. No, yeah, I, I sit on the fence a lot with this and I can see both sides of it and anger's sparking in me from, from both sides of it. And I think... I think um, yeah, it's justified that you you shouldn't really blow after twenty five minutes. You know, I never I never really boo during the game because I think it doesn't help at all. You're not achieving anything with it at all. I know it's just voicing your opinion um, in a sense, but you know, I don't think it really helps after the game. You can you know you can voice your opinion overall then because something's still yet to happen if you're doing it mid game. Um, but I think uh, Hank Clayton kind of only made the comment. Because it was about himself, um, and it was about the mistake that he made that gave the ball away. Um, I don't know what he was doing when I watched it back, because from where I was stood, I couldn't really see like behind him on on the guy that sort of challenged for the ball with him. Um, but I don't know what he was doing. He just like headed it in front of himself, and then got muscled out of the ball by someone and fell over, and then he just kind of like started jogging back, and it was just just a really bad error. Um, and fans kind of booed straight after that goal. Um, and that's partly because of the mistake and partly because of our our poor home record we've won two out of the last ten I actually didn't realise it was that bad until I looked at it the other day but two out of the last ten so I think that's why the fans are, um, are much more they're much less patient at home they, they want something to happen straight away um, so I think that kind of you know touches back on what you said about when we have the ball people need to be patient but at the same time they want us to just be winning you know straight away um which isn't always the case so although i feel like um you shouldn't be off to 25 minutes i feel like it was probably a bit justified um because you know the uh, the performance at that point anyway was shocking and it didn't really change especially with the substitutes like dana said so yeah um yeah the frustration is bubbling isn't it at at the club in home games so it's inevitably going to Mm. I think it's very toxic at the Riverside um, when we go on a, on a Saturday or a Tuesday night you can just sense that if we go behind it's going to be a really tough evening for us um, it's quite strange really because a few years ago I remember when we used to concede under the under Ayotokaranka um, in the championship and it used to be a very weird it used to be just a really weird silence because um, no one was used to us conceding yeah. um, but now with, when you've got no attacking outlet and you're playing six in midfield or like or ten in midfield, or he wants to play now with Johnny McHale probably signing. It's like you're inviting that pressure, and you're giving teams confidence, and they're going to come on. They're going to go on the front foot. They're going to attack you. It'll be the same with Newport on Saturday. They, they won't come to defend, um, and they'll try and get something out of the game. Yeah. And when I see Pulis, he's he's still urging the players to move forward, and they're not. Are the players still on side with Tony Pulis or have this went, oh, you know what, you've told me to stick back, so I'm going to stick back because you're probably going to rollick me anyway. Um, but with the fans in, in general, um, I can understand the, the whole instant success. That's football now, that's 
a few years, well, obviously many years ago now, you managers were given time to implement their philosophy and fans kind of bought into that and um, we were patient. But now it's kind of like win, 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 win. If you don't win, Mount down for obviously a ticket at Tony Pulis on and Blind on Twitter saying that Clayton needs to go. Um, or Alan from, from bloody Newport or someone, Alan from uh, Red Cross saying that you could do a better job than Pulis and go on please do a better job than Tony Pulis um, I bet you haven't coached a game in your life um, but in all honesty um, with Middlesbrough's style now and with Middlesbrough's uh, position in the league and with Middlesbrough's background with all falling apart it kind of sums everything up and I think it will change I think it'll get better and I think we'll probably bring people in come January and hopefully all be forgiven but what I should say is um, with the George Friend scenario when Jed Wallace was about 15 yards behind him still overtook him yeah busty busty got to and it the worst thing was friend was still charging at full pace yeah. and he just still t- went past him was like roll on <laughs> <laughs> and still slotted it home and it, it, I was so frustrated when I seen that goal back but I'm glad that's over now I th- you know fitting that it was dead Wallace after we were linking yeah, him it was it. dead fitting um, but really moving on to Newport I think it's a perfect time for us now to get a bit of positivity back in the club and hopefully build on it um, in the coming weeks we are, looking back though we have done quite well in recent games it's just the performances haven't been great and people view performances more than the two points um, but Newport in general I know because you two haven't done your research it's, um, guilty Mi- I know, I know. Um, so Mickey Flynn is their manager at the moment um, if you're unaware they've got Ammon from who split for Hartlepool as well, Regan Poole, who started his career there, has just went back to them. Currently mid-table in League Two, um, very leaky defence, surprisingly. Um, minus seven goals, defence conceded 45 goals already this season, which must be a concern. But um, in the FA Cup, anything can happen. They did beat Leicester um, in the last round at home. Um, they play a 5-2-1-2 formation, so it could be the battle of the defences. Um, if if you want to play it like that, or if I'm looking at it, if they're playing five two, one two, we've got six in midfield. We're probably overpowering that um, <laughs> just by numbers. But they're quite a defensive side. But I think they'll come out to attack and they'll attack with the wing backs. Um, he's excited for the game. He's going. Um, I'll take that. No, he's not excited. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like my excitement's just been completely. It's just disappeared this season. It, yeah. I think we've we've mentioned it before. It's you know it's become a little bit. You know you get up on the morning and the game on the the weekend is a bit of a release from from your week, and it isn't anymore. <laughs> you know it, you know football is you know kind of get away from your problems and it's just kind of becoming another one of the problems at the moment with Bo. <laughs> this is the only way to put it. Take it he's not interested, but we'll move on then. Um, we'll we won't go from that. We won't go any, any in-depth analysis like we normally do. Um, we'll go on to lineups and predictions, then shall we? Because um, I don't really want to go into my notes anymore. So um, Els will start. Actually, Els or Dana, who wants to go first? We'll predict your lineups. Go on, Dana. We'll go over you first if you want. Me? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I've gone for kind of a. It's not really that much of a team that includes youth as it has been in the past in like the Carabao Cup. Yep. Um, it's mainly just because it's January and it's putting players in the shot window, like I've mentioned before. So Dimi and Goal, mm-hmm. I I know Shotton's back in training, but I've gone with uh, with McNair. 
and then Flint because he's back from his injury as well alongside Fry and then Friend and then a um, midfield three of Ledbetter who could potentially be you know playing his last game for the club uh, Savile and Housen and then a front three of Van der Parra, Britt and Taff Oh, it's quite an attacking line, but in it for you. Um, go on, else. I'm not Tony Pulis. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know how we're actually. Um, I mean, not that we ever predict it right anyway, because you know we predict a four-three-three and Tony plays a four-six-zero. But <laughs> I, I don't know, like how we're actually going to line up, because obviously a few of the players are a bit more. Um, it's coming like kind of the last week of the window, so I don't know if we're going to be putting in the shot window still. So. Um, it could be a strange one. I don't know, like even with the goalkeeper situation, um, whether Demi will get a run out and stuff. Because I don't think it's like a. Do we do we play on Tuesday straight after, or do we play like the following Saturday? You know. Um, I can tell you. Yeah, just just because obviously I think if it's if it's um a game on the Tuesday straight after, then I think it'll be more of a rotated lineup. Um, rather than if the following week, I think we'll play with. Pretty strong lineup. Um, we won't need to rest the players so much. So. Kind of shows though that like normally we're completely on the ball this type of thing, and since the enthusiasm's not there, we can't only really look mm. forward for the games. Um, and that's totally understandable, really. I don't think I'm that excited to go um, on Saturday. Unfortunately, unfortunately, now I'm going. So um, my Saturday is absolutely ruined. You have to make amends for it for not going. I know. Not against Millwall. Hey, look, it's my look. It was my birth. It's my birthday next week. Uh, it was early birthday present with the lads, so couldn't really t- couldn't really turn it down. We wanted to go out as well, so I couldn't really complain. Um, but in yeah. terms of, go on. Oh, sorry. Go yeah, on. we don't play on the the Tuesday. Fantastic. To follow Fantastic news. So for me, then um, I'm gonna change my lineup. I'm gonna go Dimi in goal. I think Shotton will play. Um, get him back to fitness if we can. And um, we'll have Dale Fry. We'll have Danny Bart and George Friend. Uh I want to go. It's, do I go six in midfield or do I go? I'll go. I'll go no, I'll go three in midfield. <laughs> um, I think I don't think Ledbet will play if he's on his way out. Uh, so we'll probably put House in there. Um, I'll also think we'll play Lewis Wing and Panny McNair. Um, on the wings, we're gonna play wingers. Um, we're gonna play Tav um, Van der Parra and put Ashley Fletcher. Up front, or your favourite player, Rudy Gisted. Um Put up top and score predictions, guys. Is um, I'm going to go 2 0 Borough. 2 0 Borough for Dana. I'm going to go 2 1. See you plot score, innit? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with 3 0 Millsborough. I'm going to see a score again. I scored loads of goals. I said 3 0 last week, and how wrong was I? <laughs> um, so um, this kind of wraps everything up. Um, don't know the questions and if sorry if we haven't answered your question. Um, I know we had a few come through when we started um started recording. Um so this is the board breakdown where I think this has kind of been a, a therapy session for all three of us. Um <laughs> please rate us five star on iTunes and um, subscribe to um our channels on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh follow us on Spotify now. Um, we're on Aircast, we're pretty much everywhere now. So give us a follow, give us a like on Facebook too. And this is the Bora Breakdown. I'm Johnny Bullock with Elliot and Dana. Thank you very much for listening. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. 
Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 